Lauren, we just wrapped up a uh, quite an intriguing show today. Yeah, and it was it was indeed fun. Yeah, we had some fun, and we also heard um, quite an amazing tale that uh, is a true story. Our guest, Doug Ernst, 40 years in Napa Valley as a writer, journalist, editor, publisher, is here with us. And hi, Doug. Thanks for coming in. Well, thanks for having me, Judd. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And the first part of the show, we're going to find out a little bit about you and your life. And then the second part of the show, uh, you related a tale. Um, I'm not really going to say anything else about it. Uh, Folks should just stay tuned. And there's a forthcoming book about it. Yes, uh, soon to a publishing house near you. It's, it's, It's worth hanging on for, folks. But in the meantime, Lauren... We invite you to enjoy Judd at his family's winery on the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at juddshill.com or by calling 707-255-2332. Thanks, Lauren. That's right. We love to have folks come by. Whether you are a visitor to Napa Valley or a Napa local, We'll show you a good time. Just give us a ring, drop a line, let us know you're coming so we're properly prepared to host you. You'll have good memories of some fine wines among the verdant vines at Judd's Hill. And just for being an avid listener, type in coupon code JNVS, all in lowercase letters, please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. That's it. So get online, juddshill.com, put some wine in your cart, type in that coupon code, or yeah, join the wine club. We guarantee you'll have a great time and you'll try all the wines. You'll get invitations to fun events and uh, what do you call sneak peeks of all kinds of cool stuff. It's, it's, it's just good stuff. That's all I can say. Should we do a show, though? Enough about all this. Now let's get on with the show. Everyone's a Fingal friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. Summer means happy times and good sunshine. It means going to the beach, going to Disneyland, having fun. As said by Brian Wilson. Of the Beach Boys, and now, could you sing that? live from could, the? Could you sing that quote? That, no, those are lyrics, no, right? No, no, no. That, oh, it's that, not. That's a quote, Judd. That's, oh, that's a, a quote. quote. Okay, that's a quote. Okay, I'll let you off the hook then. And now, live from the fourteen. I didn't mean to step on your intro there. My apologies. It's okay. Okay. And now, live from the fourteen forty KVON studios at Broadcast Park in the beautiful Napa Valley. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Fingelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Judd. Top of the day. Top of the day. Certainly, summertime is here. Uh, getting into the waning days, as they say. School is uh, starting up around the valley. Uh, but nice to have a little Brian Wilson. I always think of, uh, you know, I think of him and the Beach Boys when summer comes up. They're inextricable from each other. I'm going to ask our 
our guest if I use the right word because sure. um, yeah, that our guest would know being an editor and a writer and all that. I I forgot to change my chair. You're gonna hear a lot of squeaks today. I got Uh-oh. I got the squeaky chair. I got the Barry Martin squeaky chair in here. Well, th- at least that's <laughs> not coming to the new place. I hope not. What's going on with you, man? Well, I had such a wonderful time uh, this weekend at the Napa Town and Country Fair. Ah, yes. Tell me about your experiences or well, a couple of them, a couple yeah. highlights. Oh well, we walked around. Uh, uh, we ate some corn dogs and we ate some uh, <laughs> some special uh, vanilla ice cream bars dipped in chocolate covered with nuts. Uh, and no, it's not a drumstick. It's like a, a nutty <laughs> ice cream bar. And man, was it delicious. <laughs> the nutty ice cream bar. They used to call me that down at the uh, pool hall here in town. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's right. And also, uh, me and my, my mom and dad, we ran into a, a, fellow, uh, a good family friend of ours who's actually uh, our mechanic at, uh, sorry, Judd, Ace Automotive on Action Avenue. Uh, Mike Bruno is his name. Are, are, are you apologizing because you're giving plugs to people? Yes. Okay, that's fine. You Hi, Mike, gotta, if you're listening. Yeah, you got to keep your mechanic happy, I yeah, guess. That's, that's right. Yeah, That's and, important. Right. And we also went to see uh, Pablo Cruz. Oh, yeah? On Saturday. Man, were they good. That was a good one? It was a great one. Did you hit any of the other uh, shows, or were you just there Saturday? I was just there Saturday. Because they had Ozo Motley, which is a great band, on Sunday. So you, you said we ate some corn dogs, and I'm curious... How many are we talking? That was a plural noun. Well, I only had, well, me and my family, my, oh, my mom and dad, we had, each had one corn. Collectively. Dog. Collectively. Yeah, I yeah. see, I see. Because it's very easy to pig out there at the fair. I know. We, we hit it as well, had a great time. I always enjoy the fair. You me know, too. I, I feel like it, I'm always exhausted by the end, but I still feel like there's so much I didn't do. And I'm not a big rides guy. I just like seeing the exhibits. Uh, I like seeing the shows. I like seeing all the, the baked goods. I like seeing the, the kids with their livestock. It's just fun. That's right. The, 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 the what do you call it? The main, the main stage acts, the but also stage, on, yeah. the, on the side streets where they have the, they had a, a group called Something Ridiculous with these, uh, a pair of phenomenal and funny jugglers and unicycles, and they were hilarious, and they were great at working the crowd. And, and then they had... Um, one of my favorite bands, the Smart Fellers, playing their their brand of kind of swing jazz standards and their steampunk style. Is this, there's something for everybody at the fair, which I enjoy. You know what, Judd? I agree with you. Thank you. You're welcome. There was even a circus that was even though it was entirely performed in Spanish. You didn't really even need to know to understand. I mean, my Spanish is okay, but you know, the crowd, it, it didn't matter that half of them couldn't speak Spanish because seeing the phenomenal I've used that word twice now. That's my word of the day, I think. Uh, acts, the, the high wire and the, the juggling and the flame throwing and all this stuff. It was, nice. it was great. I love the fair. You know, yeah, me too. What yeah. else is happening? You oh. singing? You're, you got a, you got oh, a thing coming right. up. Yeah. September 8th, the yep. Everybody is a Star organization, with yours truly being the only representative for Napa, is honored to be singing the Star Spangled Banner for your 1989 World Series champion, Oakland A's. Phenomenal. I'm using it again now on purpose. I'm just going to say phenomenal for everything you do because you do phenomenal things. So September 8th, and folks can find tickets at www.everybodystar.org. Wonderful. And once again, remind us what Everybody is a Star does. Well, Everybody is a Star is a nonprofit organization based in Sonoma that helps special needs individuals like myself showcase our talents in professionally made broadcast quality music videos. And boy, do they. And your video, as I've said before, is, I'm not going to use that word. That's all right. It's great. It's really well done and you look good and you perform well. 
And uh, it's there 24-7 for anybody who wants to see Lauren Mole in action at everybody'star.org. That's perfect. Yeah. So, uh, so what's been going on with you, Judd? Oh, just uh, you know, getting ready for harvest here. We took a few grapes already at Judd's Hill, which is exciting. We're not hot and heavy yet, but uh, you know, it's just starting to come in. The big news, though, is this coming Saturday, August eighteenth, is the second annual Napa Valley Kindness Day walk and celebration. And I will invite everybody of any age. Here in our community and beyond, last year we had people drive in from all over the Bay Area, even from Los Angeles, to come to this. Some folks showed up from Australia. I don't know that they came specifically for that, but they were in town. It was great to have them. So what's going to happen is we're asking people to meet at 9.30 a.m. in front of the Yauntville Community Center. That's where the gathering point, and we'll bring... We want folks to bring uh, signs with messages of kindness. And it could just be as simple as, be kind, like the iconic buttons that you see people wearing around. If you don't have a sign, you can come to Judd's Hill Winery Thursday the 16th at 5 p.m. for a sign-making party, poster party. We'll have the supplies. That's free to attend, and that's Thursday at 5 p.m. at Judd's Hill. But getting back to Kindness Day on Saturday, show up at 9.30 at Yontville Community Center with your signs. There'll be a walk through Yontville showcasing the signs and spreading kindness. The walk will end up at Napa Valley Museum, Yontville, where there will be the Kindness Day celebration featuring speakers and live music and treats. And everything's going to focus on the power of kindness to strengthen community. It's free to attend. And we hope to have at least, if not more, than we had last year, which was between four and 500 people, which is amazing. Coming up with Judd's Hill on September 12th. This is a big Wednesday out. It's our historic wine dinner with Casa Orinda. And I say historic because the, the restaurant itself is historic. And I love these restaurants that are like time capsules. You walk in, you're in a different era, in a different place. Uh, the place hasn't changed much in the 86 years it's been there. Woo! If you want more information, wow. yeah, it's wonderful. It's going to be a five-course meal with five Judd's Hill wines, plus a welcome cocktail, plus a brief historical presentation about Casa Orinda by esteemed restaurant blogger uh, Dean Curtis. So that's fun. And that's Wednesday, September 12th, 6.30 p.m., $99 per person, plus tax and gratuity. You can look up Casa Orinda online or give them a call for reservation, 925-254-2981, and I will look forward to seeing everybody there. The information is also at juddshill.com on our events tab, so you can get it there, and also see our France cruise coming up next year, which is going to be great. Hope you'll come along for me, uh, with me for that as well. Whew, I could keep going. There's so much happening, but I would really like to maybe focus on our guest. Oh, sure. That is the reason right. we bring guests in, so we can speak to them and learn a thing or two. Sure. So would you mind, uh, Lauren Mole, please introducing? Sure, Judd. I have the paper right here in my hand. Thank you. A fine fellow, our guest... Not a thug. So we'll be nice and not pull out the rug. From under this writer, now this show, let's ignite her and introduce Mr. Ernst, comma, Doug. Okay, <laughs> Doug Ernst, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me uh, to your uh, very funny show. It's, it's, it's been a barrel of laughs already. <laughs> a laugh a minute. That's yeah. what we go for here. Well, Doug Ernst, I'm glad you could be here. I hope you'll join in some laughs. You are... You are somebody who's been around Napa Valley for quite some time now. I believe it's around 40 years or so you've been here in the Valley, and you've been involved in much that goes on in this Valley as a writer, an editor, a publisher, public relations person. I mean, you are 
You are involved. We should get through this all. I mean, a little bit of your pedigree. For a long time, you were the... What was your official title? Was it the editor of the St. Helena Star? The publisher of the St. Helena Star? What, how did, I know you were kind of the, the, the main dude at the St. Helena Star, but how, how, well, how, what would we call you? From a register reporter to register editor yeah. to St. Helena Star publisher, publisher. And, and also Cal, Weekly Calistogan. Right. Uh, so uh, for eight years, I was up Valley uh, taking care of those two weekly papers that the, the company purchased. And had a great, uh, great experience learning about the other half of the valley. I was very Napa centric, as you I might see. imagine. Yeah, that happens. And having grown up in Saint Helena, I felt that from people I knew in Napa. Just didn't want to come up Valley, and uh, I always thought that was strange. I think you know, I get to Napa almost every day. Sometimes twice a day, I'm running down to Napa for something, and. I would have uh, something going on up in St. Helena, and folks would say, oh, we can't get up to St. Helena. And once my band played in Calistoga, and there was no way I was getting somebody from Napa to come to Calistoga. So we do uh, find these divides. And now that I live in Napa, ask me how many times I get to Calistoga. We, we go there on vacation now. It is that kind of thing. My wife and I will like book, book a room, you know, and have a night out, and that's our a big trip. But let, let's back up a little bit and kind of talk about who you are, where you came from. Earlier we were talking, you said it's 40 years. 1978 is when you came to Napa Valley. Right. From where? Well, I was uh, working as a journalist after uh, San Jose State University. I went to Amador County oh. and uh, edited a weekly paper there for a couple of years. And that's gold country. Right. And I found my nugget of gold, my uh-huh. wife, Carolyn. Ah. We've been married uh, 40 plus years. We'll be celebrating 41 in December. Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. And brought her back to Napa, and we raised four kids, uh, all daughters. And now we have uh, eight grandchildren, and we're, we're pretty darn happy. Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm not biased at all, uh, you know, but daughters are pretty awesome. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Anybody yeah. who was listening to Bob's show a little earlier in KVYN might have heard... Uh, couple of familiar voices talking about this kindness day but so are you from then san jose unless we went to school but is that is, is that home for you where'd you grow menlo up? park you know the peninsula okay so i'm you're... a peninsula boy born at stanford hospital okay northern cal uh, guy stomping grounds was el camino real <laughs> uh you know we didn't get into a lot of trouble but uh a little you know, a anything little. you can talk about here or? and there you know anything mentionable no no, nothing mentioned. <laughs> All right, in that case, then what got you on your path to uh, journalism and writing? San Jose State University, okay. Spartan Daily. So that wasn't something that your family had been involved in? or Yeah, I might have started in high school, but, uh, you know, uh, journalism sings to me because uh. it's, a, it's a profession where you can actually help the community and you speak the truth. Uh, you become a force uh, to be reckoned with if you have good logic. Yeah. And good arguments. So I always got a kick out of that, being an influence in my community. Okay, well, that's certainly admirable, especially the speaking the truth part. Um, these days, there's a lot of talk. I'm, we don't need to get into it right now. It's not that type of show. Well, this is when more personality-driven. When I was at San Jose State, uh, it was right after Watergate. Yeah. And all these bright students wanted to be journalists. It was natural. We all wanted yeah. to be the next Woodward and Bernstein. And so the market was flooded uh, with good journalists at that time. Mm. Kind of a golden era then, huh? It was great. And you were a product of that. I like to think so. Okay, that's good. So the Spartan Daily, and what were you covering there for the, for the college? The administration, they paid our way. You know, they, they financed the whole newspaper. 
and we took him to task for all kinds of things like affirmative <laughs> action and and you know the vice president calls me and says, "What are you What are you beating us up for? You know we're we're financing your newspaper." And, uh, <laughs> That's not how that works. Though, I reminded I him that that we quoted the administration all the time. We were very fair. Yeah. And uh, I made a point of doing that for the rest of my career. Citing sources, quoting, just giving both sides. Yeah, that's good. Fair and balanced, I think somebody says, and I'm not going to get into all that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's wonderful. So that started you on this path. And then how did you end up in Napa? You went to gold country, you found your gold, and you come to Napa. It sounds like shortly thereafter. One of my colleagues at San Jose State University, uh, Jeff Mapes, who's working for the Portland Oregonian, uh, mentioned that we had a uh, opening at the Napa Register. It wasn't called Napa Valley. Right. It was just Napa. Napa Register. Part of that division of the valley. This so is St. Helena. That's well, Napa. Well, I just I got confused. You know, I said the big lights of Napa. <laughs> come here. Downtown was already dried up. But uh, This is 40 years ago. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we had, uh, we had a, a growth spurt after I got here. And do you want to talk about that? What what was it like? I got here about the same time. We we began the move here in seventy seven. The family, so right about that same time, I was I was pretty little, so I don't I can't envision what Napa looked like to me at that time. Well, I was here in eighty one for the Atlas Peak fire. Yeah, I do remember that twenty five thousand acres and lot sixty homes burned down, and we we covered the the heck out of that. Yeah, I was here for the uh, land fraud at Lake Berryessa. Foreign foreign people were coming, selling the east side of Lake Berryessa to to foreigners who didn't know. They would sell it for uh, top dollar, even though you can't do anything with that land. Oh. We exposed that. Um, I, I didn't even know about this. Yeah, I, I was involved in some pretty big stories. And, of course, the flood control project uh, in the late 90s. Yeah, We needed two-thirds of the vote. And we, as a newspaper, we had to answer every question from every critic. Yeah. And the campaign was so great. They combined the environmentalists in town with the businesses. They made a coalition. And anybody who had a concern would be brought on to the committee. Come mm. join us. Tell us your idea. Yeah. And soon everybody in town had a stake in the success of flood control. And you see what we have now. It's, it's worth it. Oh, absolutely. Whatever we're spending on it, we've, I, we've, we've saved that money and, and three, four times over. Just in business being able to continue, absolutely. not being flooded, disaster relief, having lived through several floods myself in absolutely. all these years. And nobody likes taxes, but that was something really worth it. Well, it, it keeps downtown vibrant and an attractive place to do business. You, you, know, if you know you're not going to get flooded out every couple of years for the storm of the century that seemed to come every few years. Right. It's not just good for the business. It's good for the environment. Yeah. What are some other issues that you really felt strongly about covering, you know, connected to? Uh, well, in St. Helena, we had issues. You know, we were always uh, trying to uh, keep government on uh, on a good footing. And uh, St. Helena was was interesting for me because uh, they needed help uh, getting, uh, say, the school board in line. Do um, you, you remember there was a recall? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Well, we, as a newspaper, we printed every letter that came in and uh, made sure that the public understood what the issues were. We, we didn't censor anything. It was all out there. And when were you there? What, what was your tenure up in St. Helena? Eight years. Eight years. That was a long time. Were you there for the the last uh, mayoral campaign as well? Or no, no. I left in 11. Oh, in 11. Okay. So you've been down ever Went since Went into then. business in 2011 at my own uh, public relations firm. And, uh, you know, that was a good experience, five years. 
of uh, being a business person in town. Yeah. Uh, the college discovered me after that and said, hey, we need that guy. <laughs> and they brought me on uh, 16. So for the last couple of years, you've been working at Napa Valley College as, um, let's see if I got this right, public information officer. Is this Correct. fair to say? Is that, that the title now? Yes. Okay, that is it. And what is your responsibility there? Uh, I, write, I write about the college. I write for the college about the college. Yeah. The stories are generally positive. Mm-hmm. Well, go, go ahead. You know, don't stop there. <laughs> You're, tell me a story. Tell me the story. <laughs> success stories. I mean, there yeah. are so many success Let's stories at the college. Well, you know, the, the, the students who come there, whether they're right out of high school or yeah. second, you know, second career people or lifelong learners, mm-hmm. they, all, they all tend to get something uh, important out of the college. And I, I write those stories. I, I write about how they move on in life. Uh, the college, the, the community colleges these days are first tier institutions. It's where everybody should go right out, right out of the chute, to learn where where they want to go to save money while they're learning what university they want to go to. You want to be a PhD? I would start at the community college to figure out where you want to go, what kind of education you want, and save all that money for the first two years. Mm. So you have some dough to go to the university you want. It's first tier, first tier institution now. Now, at Napa Valley College, I know there's a big banner hanging outside at the moment that says number one college or best college. What does it say? I mean, I'm, I don't know verbatim, but it, oh, for it two years For two years in a row, we were the number one ranked college. Meaning what? What is the criteria for that? Oh, uh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a website called... Uh, uh, but they take into account co- what the, the programming, the, the, st- the quality of... What transfers, graduation rates? I see. You know, it's, it's where folks are ending up. Sure. And where are folks going? What What does Napa Valley College? Because what's the question here? What am I trying to formulate? What What can people take advantage of? I mean, I'm sure they have basic education courses um, to fulfill kind of basic requirements for universities or whatnot. But uh, if someone's looking to get an advanced degree eventually at a university. What can they start in at Napa College? What are what are they known for? Well, prerequisites in science that uh, get people right into the university. We also have training programs. If you want to get right into the workforce, yeah, you can do that in two years. You can become a vintner, yeah, in two years. You've seen our, our wine program. Well, you know, many years ago, at this point, I'd say it's got to be at least. 12 years ago, maybe more, 13, 14. You got a visit. I went through. Oh, no, I, I took classes, you know, because I had come back to the wine business having been gone for so long. My college degree has nothing to do with wine. Uh, I grew up in Napa Valley. I had to get out. That was just, just what I had to do. I had to see what else the world had to offer. So my degree, nothing to do with, with wine. When I decided to come back to the wine biz, which, yeah, was about 14 years ago. So that must have been when... I went to Napa College. I decided, you know, I know how to make wine. Uh, having grown up with it, you know, my father kind of taught me everything he knew and I learned from him. But I didn't necessarily know why we did everything that we did, kind of the science behind it. You know, I just knew to do this and I do this, then you do this. But why? So Napa College gave me that uh, type of foundation, which is nice. Well, bring you up to speed, uh, we are the largest wine school in America. Really? Yes. Okay, when you say wine school, because I, now I, someone says to me, where do you go to learn about wine? I think UC Davis. 
I know. Yeah, they have a good program, and they go a little deeper, but they don't have as many students. I see what you're saying. So what's the breadth of uh, the wine program at Napa College? About 450 students. Yeah? And we, Covering we, what topics? Well, from from the origins of wine, uh, you could become a sommelier through Napa Valley College yeah. in two years. Wow. And we teach people how to make wine. Yes. We have a winery. We have a vineyard. Every facet of winemaking you can learn at Napa Valley College. You should come out there and take a look. I'd like to. It's been a little while. For a few years in a row, my father and I would come be guest speakers. Yeah, I forget which. It wasn't Winemaking 101. I forget which one it was. But it was, you know, we, we, we would come do a speaking uh, gig, kind of giving the overview about what it's like running a winery. You've heard of Robert and, Parker, have you? Well, sure. So he gave uh, Napa Valley College a state winery, Cabernet, 2012. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 89 or 90. Wow. He says, give these students credit. Yeah. Put this bottle away for 20 years. You'd be, you'd be amazed at how, how much it matures. That's wonderful. And uh, it's on the record, you know, Bob Parker. That's, that's great. I mean, hey, if you're going to have anybody praise your wine, I think that's the guy you want to have do it. And it's not just technical winemaking for professional track. There's also wine appreciation classes. Uh, at least there used to be. Are there still? Absolutely. Yeah, you can go. Anybody can sign up for these and learn about wines. You ever heard of Paul Wagner? Sure. He teaches out there. Wonderful. Well, I mean, I've heard of him, but why don't you? Molly Hodgins is a great uh, vintner, uh, wine grower. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's teaching out there. She's on the staff. So we got we get, we cherry pick some of the best instructors in the valley to and, teach our students. Well, they're here, so that's yeah. wonderful that they're able to come and teach as well as do. You bet. Yeah. All right, Doug. We do have to take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, life in Napa Valley. But also, you've got a, a book project coming up, which is very intriguing, and I want to hear a lot more about that. Glad to. All right. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show with special guest Doug Ernst right after these messages. La, 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 la. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. Judd's Napa Valley Show. You're listening to 1440 KVON, the voice of Napa Valley. Now, back to Judd's Napa Valley Show with special guest, Doug Ernst. Hi, Doug. How's it going? Welcome back. Here we are. Uh, we were talking about your background as a journalist, publisher of St. Helena Star, editor, uh, Napa Valley Register, or Napa Register at the time. But now you're still writing a column for the Napa Valley Register involving the uh, college, correct? I do. You do. That's great. We want to keep uh, education top of mind. You brought a little something. I don't even know what it is, but you told me you brought something, and an envelope is coming out. It just relates to my book. Okay. And uh, I, I assume we're going to have time to talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about it right now after you've shown me what you brought. This is the interior of uh, Buchenwald Concentration Camp. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this is uh, a postcard size, or it's a postcard photo of... Buchenwald, wow. Okay, well, this is a great segue. Let's talk about your book project because this uh, figures heavily into it. Sure does. Um, And not a subject to be taken lightly. So I'm going to kind of step back here and let you 
tell us what uh, what it is you've been writing about in this forthcoming book. Yeah, it's about to be published by uh, Val de Grasse Books. Uh, Paul Chutko here in Napa has taken it under his wing. It's a love story. It's a war story. It's a history story. It's a story with scope. It goes around the around the globe, hmm. from World War One to Vietnam. Um, it's a story about faith and love between two people and how they survived uh, the Nazis by having faith and love for each other. So um, I guess the best way to explain it is uh, a teenager, a couple of teenagers in Austria between World War I and World War II, they fell in love in the, in the Vienna woods. He was a Boy Scout, she was a Girl Scout. Um, they believed in freedom. They believed in education, in uh, working wages, uh, the environment. All the things that, you know, make a good, healthy life. And then against the backdrop of that was fascism in the next country over, and even in Austria, this rising tide. And they started to lose their rights. Um, the young man, he, uh, he took up a, kind of a militaristic approach. His father was a veteran of World War I, an injured, a, a wounded warrior, basically. Hmm. So he, he uh, became a um, freedom fighter and defended his democratic republic. Uh, he was, the two of them were as free as you and I in a democratic republic, but they yeah. were losing their rights. And so the, he marched in the streets, she marched in the streets, he defended her. Um, eventually in 1934, Austria went to civil war over this. The, and, uh, and I just want to mention something, you preface this as a, as a story, but this is a true story. We're talking about some real people now, correct? Yeah, the, uh, the book is, is about two real people. Okay. And it's, uh, we got 36 photos of these people. Okay. So, so now we're marching in the streets. Yeah. And, uh, in 1934, uh, the, uh, the man, Willie, he, uh, he got arrested, put in prison, Stein prison for a couple of years because the freedom fighters, the guys that really loved freedom lost the civil war. Two years later, he comes out and gets right back on the streets, warning people in Vienna, Hitler's coming. Wake up. Let's, you know, let's get ourselves together. Let's, let's organize. In 1937, a year before Hitler did take over, um, his girlfriend, his fiancée, she left him. She said, Willie, I'm out of here. You're married to your country. Um, I'm going to England where it's free and safe. <laughs> little did she know yeah but she went with her sister to england and he's alone he he shacks up with a an old girl, girlfriend and um waits for night for anschluss uh, march of 38 hitler takes over austria and they come looking for willie he's on the list they find him they take him to dachau and after a few months there he's transferred to buchenwald and after um Two years of torture, watching his friends murdered. Um, he suddenly gets released by some miracle. He is allowed to leave. They said, get, get the hell out of here and get out of the Third Reich. You have uh, a few months to get out. So a friend of his who's, who was murdered by the Nazis has a widow in Sweden. She gets him a visa. He goes to Sweden. They, they won't let him stay long. They kick him out. They say, you got to get out of here. He goes across uh, Asia, Russia, 
seven time zones in the middle of winter, 1940, mm-hmm. to Japan. And guess Japan, um, about two weeks before Japan said, no more of this, we're going to go to war with the United States. Uh, this is the last ship sailing for America. Gets on the boat, comes to San Francisco. And there's a Quaker. She's waiting for him. She, she just one of these people who uh, teaches refugees how the English language and how to survive in America. And um, he's here in San Francisco learning the, the ways of the world, worried about his, his friends back in the camps, wondering why was I selected. He didn't know why he was released. And uh, tries to join the U.S. Army to get back and fight. They won't let him because Austria was, uh, by then, it was considered alien you know, enemy territory. So he waits. He um, watches while the bombs hit London, bombing, bombing the heck out of his fiance. And he's thinking, why am I here? You know, what, what am I doing here? His brother is in San Francisco now telling him, relax, just become an American. Just you know, get a business going, let's go. I can't forget. He said, I can't, cannot forget my men. I got to go back. And he doesn't know what to do until the U.S. Army says, well, you know what? We're going to need these people. When we go across France, we're going to need interrogators. We're going to need to really um, knock some heads to get information out of the uh, captured Germans. So they, they created this uh, psychological warfare group in uh, Camp Ritchie, Maryland. And they call them the Ritchie Boys. 10,000 Americans who you know, came to America, fleed, uh, but came to America and wanted to go back to fight uh, Hitler. He became a Ritchie boy. And on his way back, they were going to take him through Belfast. He calls up his girlfriend. This is six and a half years later. She's still in London. She's a kindergarten teacher, spinster. Is Pauli there? That's the girl's name, Pauli. She starts shaking. She gets in a taxi. She goes to Paddington Station. A troop train comes in, American GIs. Um, 600 of them get off the train. And she's crying. How can I find Willie? Well, she's the only woman waiting on the platform. They embrace. They cry. He proposes and says, I'm going to be at this station. Follow me. They get married in June of 44 after D-Day and have one week together after six and a half years apart. One blissful week. And he says, see you later. I got to go win the war. And he goes across France with Patton's Third Army and gets all the way back to Buchenwald. And some of his friends are still alive. And they don't recognize him. You know, he's a pot-bellied American GI. Who the hell are you? He says, well, don't you remember the time we shared our, our last piece of bread? The six of us? Willie, it's you. Ah. And so he finally accomplished his mission, his mission of life, to get back and uh, free his fellow prisoners. And um, took his British war bride. (laughs) She was actually Austrian, but uh, took her to um, America, where they had a couple of kids, including me. And so I started writing this book, um, I don't know, 1976, uh, 40 years ago, I started writing it. And I got to the point of the miracle. How the hell did he get out of Buchenwald? I couldn't figure it out. And I, I met a woman in Napa named Krista Meyer, who um, 
wonderful German lady who said, let's go find out. We had to spread my mom's ashes. And um, she said, if you can do it, spread them in the Danube. We went back to Vienna. And I found a man who was my father's uh, mentor during the camps, hmm. a fellow prisoner, who said, um, oh, yeah, I know how she, I know how he got out. His Your your, your mother, Gertie, uh, got him out. And I said, we said, yeah. Our mother's name was not Gertie. It was Pauli. And uh, he said, well, it's right here in the book that he's writing. And, and what happened was, apparently, he was telling us this in his apartment. She was the nanny of a Soviet diplomat to, to Vienna. When, when Hitler took over, this girlfriend, this ex-girlfriend that he shacked up with, she, she was in a position when she went back to London with her boss, Alexander, to ask for a favor. At one point, Hitler and Stalin had made an agreement. And during that time, she said, can you help me get my buddy out of Buchenwald? It's the only thing that could have happened. It's the only way it could have happened. Because by the time he was released, they were gassing people. And uh, so he said, and by the way, Gertie's still alive. Check it out. And so I did. I checked out the, the place in Reading, England, where she was living as a nursing home, and asked her caregiver, is this true? I wrote her a letter. And Gertie's response was, yes, I suppose so. So I was able to get my second source and complete the story and finally finish the darn book after 40 years. It's amazing. But I didn't want to make it up. I didn't want to say, well, he jumped over the fence. No. I had to find out. Well, you kind of prefaced this whole uh, show with your, your, <clears throat> your quest to showcase the truth. So, Well, that's right. And, and, and 40 years kind of speaks to that, my goodness. It's a hell of a story. It really is. And, you know, uh, it's a love story. Let's not forget that uh, Pally is my mom. Yeah. Wow. Amazing, amazing. So you've got a working title. This is uh, going to put, do you want to talk this? Uh, Willie, Willie and Pally, how, how love and faith beat the Nazis, something like that. You know, okay. we want to get war and love and Nazis into the title. And I'm leaving some of this to Paul Chutko, my publisher. Here. Yeah. He's a good Napa guy. You know, he uh, he's finished a couple of books, um, Appalachian Napa Valley. Oh, yeah. Richard Mendelssohn, and mm -hmm. he completed one recently, um, The Best We Can Be. It's about Joseph Phelps. So Paul has credentials. Right. I think he can make this book work. Yeah, and you, uh, as, a, as a PR specialist, I'm sure, get the word out. I mean, we're here today talking, but... Uh, well, I know people in the radio business, let me say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. It's just I want to thank you for this time, really, before I forget. No, it's my pleasure. And this is... You told me a bit about the story, you know, certainly none of the details, and I sounded... And I was intrigued. It sounded like a story that certainly needs to be told, and um, I... Uh, a lot of you young... Know, I, oh, go ahead. A lot of young people today don't know the history. They don't... And, and they might pick it up... If it became a movie, let's say, yeah, it could have an impact on young people who don't know the history. It might, that really happened? Yeah. And people had to march in the streets to defend themselves. And uh, this is how you do it. Uh, if, if, if it does happen to you, this is how you fight. You know, this could be a good story for, for Spielberg. Well, sure. I mean, he, he definitely has a connection to that. And, you know, my connection is 30... Yeah, 30 years ago this year, in fact, I was uh, 
I wasn't at Buchenwald, but I, I was in Poland and visited um, some of the camps, Auschwitz, uh, Treblinka, Majdanek, and, you know, got a chance to see that they're, you know, these re- real places that real people that could have been us yeah. in there. There really was no difference between um, the people visiting uh, 45 years after the fact and the people who had the unfortunate... Um, circumstances to be there like we really weren't that different as people no no there was no reason for them to be there and my folks were yeah. were uh, good americans you know they, they were democrats yeah. they came here and uh he, he they both uh, he he converted from judaism to uh, uh protestant she converted from catholic to protestant mm. so i was raised in the congregational church which means i'm a mutt yeah uh, <laughs> Well, usually this is the time where we do a very lighthearted thing on the show, but maybe let's <laughs> let's talk about a few other things and then maybe see how we feel about getting back to that. Not too funny. Because um, it would seem somewhat disingenuous to now leap into a comedic bit. Okay, do, so this is, this is in the queue for publishing, and if folks would like to uh, stay in the loop, perhaps, uh, find out when this will be available how can they contact you or be on an email list that type of thing i'll just give you my email over the phone if that's okay you can say your email sure yeah doug hyphen ernst at att.net there it is and you do have a website for your pr uh consulting should i give that as well People well that's find... the same the same email there. it goes there yeah i'm gonna give it anyway it's a uh, doug ernst that's a d-o-u-g-e-r-n-s-t Doug Ernst Associates.com. Also, I'm available for Kiwanis Club, Rotary Club uh, presentations. I have a PowerPoint with the 36 photos. Oh, you do? Yeah. Wow, that'd be really interesting. Okay, folks, you're listening. Uh, might be great to get some historical perspective, especially from someone so well-known in the Napa Valley community. Give him a ring. Drop him a line. Let's get Doug Ernst in there to tell this story. I'm going to back up to the your Napa Valley experience since you have been here. Uh, for 40 years, about the same amount of time I have. But you probably have some more recollections. I was just very, very little uh, when I started. So as you're saying how Napa, Napa itself was a ghost town, I can recall starting maybe the early 80s what it was like and not a whole lot happening. But you have a little more history. If you want to talk a little bit about the uh, the changes you've seen, you've talked about some of the issues that well, you've been involved in, but but maybe paint the picture of the, the path of Napa. I got here after Valley. the Ag Preserve was, was formed, the yeah. Ag Preserve, but we had to preserve the Ag Preserve. Measure, mm-hmm. measure A came along, and Measure A ref, you know, required that you had to have 40 acres to split your property. If you were in ag, yeah. ag land, had to be... Uh, uh, preserved or otherwise we'd just become another Santa Clara and we were involved uh, at the register in that campaign the measure a campaign to preserve the ag preserve and then came measure J and they there, there were a lot of measures that the newspaper really it was important for the newspaper to get behind these because mm-hmm. we're talking property rights and nobody wants to pay taxes and nobody wants to give up property rights but we all appreciate the Napa Valley how it's been preserved all these years. And I feel like we were part of that. The newspaper uh, made a, a tremendous difference in how people thought about what we should be in the future. And if you look around, I think it's pretty good. We did a pretty good job. It's sort of like flood control. We did a pretty good job. The newspaper was behind that, and we preserved downtown. 
So I, I feel a couple feathers in my cap, yeah. not mine, but my newspaper career cap. I okay. think the newspaper did a, a wonderful, the register did a wonderful job for this community for many, many years and still does. Yeah, and won some awards along the way. And as somebody who uh, lives here uh, just to, as a community, to take advantage of what's here, what have you seen? Our uh, kids our kids all got good educations. Mm-hmm. All four of them, you know, uh, they're uh, well-adjusted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say they're wholesome. And that's what Napa is. It's a wholesome community. You yeah. Know? You, you have uh, neighborhoods mm-hmm. that care about the kids in the neighborhoods. and. Uh, in the school system, but uh, also the police departments. You know, I, this guy, Steve Potter. Yeah, he's a former him. guest on the show. Yeah, through the years, he's been a, a presence in our life because he'd come to the house and talk to our daughters if they needed talking to. And uh, it's that kind of community. We just, uh, we fell in love with Napa right away. And we're still there. Wonderful. Well, glad you're here. Uh, I'm not going to make a big deal about this, but we have a Napa icon here for you if you care to have. Got some donuts from buttercream. Usually I ask, you know, do you go nuts for donuts? We make a big thing about it. But after this story, I'm just going to put them here. If you want a donut, you want to have something sweet. But I think we are, I think, Lauren, we will finish up with what we normally do. We need, we need, a, we need to end on a little, little laugh, don't you think? I think so. I think that's always good. So now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game. Yeah, have a, have a donut. Please help yourself. Uh, here on Judd's Napa Valley Show, what is it, Lauren? This! is Mad Lib. That's right. We are going to play a little Mad Lib since uh, Doug Ernst is a writer, editor, publisher. You're good with words, so I just cannot pass up this opportunity. Uh, can, I, can I Google the answers? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go <laughs> do, do whatever you want. There's, I, actually, I don't think there's any published rules for this, so whatever helps. This is the Mad Lib style fill-in-the-blank word game. Are you ready to play? Well, sure. Why not? Let's do this. The first thing I'm going to need from you is a number. One. One. That's a good number. A noun. A thing. Uh, I think ukulele would be too obvious. I'm going to say xylophone. <laughs> okay. Xylophone. Appreciate you taking me, uh, keeping me in mind there. How about a geographic location? This could be anywhere that you could possibly think of as a place. Uh, the very top of Haleakua, uh, the uh, mountain in Maui. Yeah, Haleakala. That's beautiful. Have you done the sunrise yes, there? And yeah, the, yeah. Did you bike I, down? Uh, no, no. No, I didn't uh, do that We took the either. old bus. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, memorable. I mean, really a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Gorgeous. Yeah. The sunrise, the clouds, the color of the sand and dirt there. Okay, I could go on and on about Hawaii, but how about an adjective, a descriptor of some sort? Well, on top of that mountain, it was the scene was iridescent. Iridescent. Okay, that's a good one. How about a plural noun? I'm going to need a few of these, so get your mind thinking about plural nouns. Go ahead. Just anyone? Any plural noun, more than one thing. Uh, I'm going to use my guardian animal. That would be cougars. Cougars. Okay, I wish I had more time. I'd ask you about that. (laughs) Um, Another plural noun. Uh, All of our daughters are aunties, so I'm going to say aunties. Oh, like uncles and aunties. Right. Got it. Okay, got it. All right. Another plural noun? Uh, I don't know. First baseman? Great. Now that we've got some professional 
baseball here in town. That's Go to Silverados. Go catch Silver Fever. There you go. First basemen, plural. Okay. Another plural noun. Drummers. Drummers. All right. We're almost done. A noun, singular. Tuna. <laughs> Tuna. I was thinking about making a casserole later. That might be the sign that the universe wants me to have that for dinner. Okay, and finally, an adjective. Well, you. Uh, funny. Me. Oh, funny. Well, thank you. That's nice. Hopefully this bit will be. And I mean funny haha, not funny strange. Right. Okay. I'll take both. Right. It's right. fine. Right. In fact, I prefer a little uh, mixture of the two together. I think works best. <laughs> so... Earlier today, Doug Ernst, I was actually on that website, DougErnstAssociates.com, and there's that about part, which you have now just rewritten via this Mad Libs game. Are you ready? (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you're going to laugh, do it near the microphone, please. I appreciate that. Okay, here we go. Doug Ernst is a trusted name in the Napa Valley, where his one-year journalism career blossomed... (laughs) First as a reporter and managing xylophone of the Napa Valley Register. Pretty good. Uh, you like that? You're making a little xylophone motion there. And later as editor and publisher of the, oh, I like this, of the Haleakala Star. <laughs> yeah, Saint, forget St. Helena. Publishing a paper on the top of a Hawaiian mountain. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the Haleakala Star and the Iridescent Calistogan. He's, folks, he's making facial expressions. I know they don't come across on the radio, but it looks like he's enjoying this. You know, if you don't like it, give me at least an ah, come on, Judd, or something. If you like it, feel free to laugh out loud. All right. Okay. Recently turning his attention to public relations consulting, Mr. Ernst is now seeking cougars. <laughs> By the way, his wife just joined us, and I don't know if she's pleased with that or not. Um, <laughs> Mr. Ernst is now seeking cougars who share his interest in aunties, (laughs) first basemen, (laughs) and drummers. Wow, man. You are into some things. All right. His promise to each of his clients is, and this is your quote, and it's right at the top as well. Get the tuna you deserve for the funny work you do. (laughs) And that... Listeners is Mr. Doug Ernst. I really appreciate you coming in. I've known you a long time, but I've never really sat down and gotten to know who you are. And then that story you just uh, relayed is absolutely incredible. And I look forward to reading that book when it comes out. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me and being the first in maybe a long line of interviews. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, yeah, we're on the media tour now. Well, why not? Let's, <laughs> sure. Let's, let's say you discovered me. I, I'm putting it on my resume. All right, good. Thank, Thank you. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.